my wishes that the Latin Americans stop to sing about we are Latin Americans and they are the of the other side are the others. Uh, we are Argentinians and the others are uh, uh, French and we are uh, Brazilians and you are Argentinian and so on. I think if we all all the time we talk about such things, nothing good could be born. Welcome to Language and Culture with Dr. J. We are in season four of the podcast dedicated to interviews conducted about Latin America. This season includes episodes in English with Latin American guests who now live abroad and episodes in Spanish conducted with Argentinians I met while traveling for two months throughout this beautiful country. In this season, I'm hoping to compare the views of Latin Americans who have moved away from their home country with those of people deeply anchored in the largest Spanish-speaking Latin American country, Argentina. If you're interested in more information about me, this podcast, or my books, please visit culturium.com, that's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-U-M.com, or my Instagram pages at drjpodcast and at Quadil, Q-U-A-D-Y-L-L-E. This episode is entitled Reflections of an Argentinian Abroad. And my guest for this episode is Dr. Mario Navarro, an Argentinian scholar, rugby player, and friend of my husband's. Mario is from the city of Esquel in Argentina, but he calls Hamburg, Germany home which is where he lives with his wife and children and works at the University of Hamburg. Mario is one of the reasons we ended up spending two months in Argentina, but we'll talk about that later on in the interview. Right now, let me welcome Mario to the podcast. Welcome, Mario. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mario, you are a linguist. A I am a linguist, yes. To, a field close to my heart and one that we have yet to address in this season. So if you don't mind, let's start by talking about the Spanish language and its many dialects, regionalisms, accents, and forms of forms adapted in bilingual and multilingual communication. For those listeners who are more interested in sociocultural discussions and hearing personal stories and anecdotes, hold your horses for just a second and we'll get to all those juicy bits as well later on right after this question. So Mario, without being too scholarly, can you tell us about the Spanish language and how it is spoken around the world? Without to be a scholar, it's, it's difficult, you know. <laughs> um, it is your field of research and your field of... <laughs> yes, yes. And, I, and if, um, if you see, I, I am more, more interested in formal uh, aspects of language and, and, and not maybe the social and cultural aspect of language that are maybe more interesting than mine. <laughs> um, but... 
I I can say something that my first experience with my own uh, language was in Europe. Um, I never get conscious how how important is uh, or how how nice maybe or beautiful is Spanish. Um, uh, before I came in, in in Europe because I went to a, a, a bar maybe here in Hamburg I don't remember <laughs> so so long ago and they said uh, oh you come from Argentina you speak um, uh, Spanish and yes I do and, and and then they wanted that I speak Spanish because they always say oh be beautiful it's Spanish can you say something and blah 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 and it's very very interesting how how many people here in germany also speak spanish and and i was very very surprised and and then i was young i i get very very conscientious be be uh, how beautiful is my own language uh, i never think about this um, i studied spanish and uh, my first studies was in 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 literature and language uh, in argentina um, and that's that was my first uh, um, confrontation with my own language and and then I always try to speak Spanish with people that can do it here in Germany because it was very very interesting to to see them also to to be confronted with my language and I know I always remember my my grandparents that are Germans or were Germans and with this, the, the German accent in Spanish uh, and I, I always thought, oh, be beautiful is this Spanish, no? Hablan todo un poquito así, trabado. And that, that was very, very, very funny for me always. And now I have, uh, I, I am married with a German wife, this Spanish uh, teacher. <laughs> and she also speaks like my grandmother. <laughs> it's just very, very interesting. So you talk about the beauty of the Spanish language and right before yeah. the interview, we were speaking Spanish and it's really true that whenever I get the chance, I speak Spanish with, you know, yeah. anybody who speaks it and it is a beautiful language and it is true what you're saying with this willingness of people here in Hamburg, for example, to speak Spanish, also other languages, but especially Spanish you hear it a lot and people people are fascinated by the literature by the language by the food by the culture um absolutely absolutely underline that yeah yeah that's true and i think in the last years uh, after maybe 2008 and crisis in europe you you met more more spanish immigrants here also some from from europe and and as it's funny, I, I walk on the streets in Altona, for example, and you hear always uh, Spanish here and there and there. It's very, very interesting. And that was not the case for 20 years ago. No? It's, it's more and more and more Spanish on the streets, too. Mm -hmm. In other yeah. seasons, I've done uh, interviews with the Instituto Cervantes and with the Consul General to Spain. And one of the things that has uh, surfaced out of these uh, interviews is that the Spanish government, but also Latin American governments have done a great job in promoting the Spanish language yes, throughout true. the world through by connecting it to the culture. And so there is there's definitely you can applaud this effort. It is spread everywhere. But tell us a little bit about your research. What what are you what do you focus on and specifically to Spanish? 
Um, it's, it's, it's syntax structures are my 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 specialization, and I am I made also um, a part of my study in biology and anthropology. So I focus on on, on the study of language evolution, for example, and. From Spanish, I get some structures or empiric data from my theories or hypotheses and so on. But I, am, I am not too fixed to how Spanish work. But for example, my, my dissertation is, uh, my PhD work is, is about specific sentences that you find in Spanish. And interesting is that uh, it's a specific phenomenon that you can find in all varieties of Spanish. And that was uh, maybe the, the, the most important thing in the empiric data that I get in my work. But syntax is my, 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 my discipline and, and I, I relate syntax with all, every, every aspect that I try to find about language evolution and biology, biological aspects of language. In terms of linguistics, I am a formalist and I am Chomskyan's uh, linguist. So I think more abstract than, than what everybody said when you say, ah, you are a linguist. Oh, you speak very well uh, Spanish or uh, French or many other languages. And I always have to say, no, really, I can speak uh, many languages but i cannot speak them very well, <laughs> well you know, um, my own in my own language it's not <laughs> so good you, you know you know how you know the structure i think of the language right yes so i i get abstraction from 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 all this kind of stuff that is that is the reason also because i uh, i teach for example in the university syntax courses for french or italian and portuguese and so romance languages um, or I always use examples or literature from English and so on. Uh, but because I am more abstract or I made more abstractions of structures and so on, so I can explain everything, will not say it, but many things without uh, to, to speak these languages. Mm. Mm, that's interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's dive right in to how we ended up going to Argentina. So <laughs> the story is that we wanted to take parental leave with our children. And this in Germany has to be done by age eight of your youngest child, right? So we had originally wanted to go to Australia and then COVID hit and we couldn't go. And then, you know, COVID persisted. So we still couldn't go. Our, uh, um, Australia was closed down, locked down, and we were looking for somewhere else to go. And so you and Hendrik, my husband, spoke at rugby practice, I believe, uh, mm. at rugby training about um, why don't you go to Argentina? And, and then it just kind of went from there. Do you want to say anything about that or <laughs> just to start I, it off? I never, I really never, never told him, hey, you have to go to Argentina. He came to me and said, we are planning to go to Argentina. And then I started, oh, <laughs> I can organize you some part of your <laughs> travel. And I, then I started to talk with my brother, my, with Paulo and Karina and, and 
yes, Marcela from from the, from the house. So so yeah, so it's uh, so we we all of a sudden it, it was like a you know it was like a bushfire. At some point, this idea of Argentina germinated. And then we discovered all these connections and all these contacts. I also have friends and, and Hendrik actually has some, some relatives. And so, so we just, it just kind of like all of a sudden ended up being our, um, uh, Argentina. And you played a very important role because one of my things was, I don't want to be in a foreign country uh, alone at Christmas. So that was one of my big things. I'm just, I was like, I don't, I will feel lonely. I will feel a loneliness. I will be, you know, I, I without my family, Christmas and, and summer. I, in a, well, in a country that you don't know, you know, and it's hot, you know, it's a completely different way of celebrating. Like, no, 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 that, there's no way. So that was one of my big conditions. And then you came into play with that because you actually uh, got your brother yeah. And his wife and your best friends, Corina and Pablo, to yeah. invite us. And they really did. We were touched to tears. We had such an incredible welcoming. It was unbelievable. We felt so, they made us feel so part of, really, truly, like, even now when I think about it, I, 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 there's tears that, that come because they made us so much a part of their family. We didn't know them. We did, we had never met them. The connection was you. <laughs> we had never met them and they, they welcomed us into their families, a hospitality that is unbelievable. Let's start with that then, Argentinian hospitality. So uh, is this true Argentinian? And I think um, all the countries in Latin America are very, very open more open to people that come from foreign countries but i can only speak about argentina and argentina are famous in in all the latin american country and in spain too with with um, jokes and so on that we are very very uh, arrogant and very special uh, <laughs> uh, what 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 we think about we uh, ourselves <laughs> well actually i'm glad you say that because you know I, i'm trying to sort of get an idea of argentina from both sides right from yes. other latin americans and from argentinians themselves and one of the adjectives used was um yeah arrogant or a, little, a bit mm. arrogant and want to be europeans so this was what you know these were two yeah ways to describe Argentina, I mean, the negative, right? I mean, sort of a lot yeah, of people yeah. say a lot of really positive things, but these were the sort of yeah. negative aspects. So yes. you address this, but is it true? Is it a, is it a, is it a stereotype? Is it a... Um, I think it's true. Uh, there are, um, with respect to the, to the, to the European, this is our story or, or, or stories. That is the way that the Argentinian uh, as a nation uh, grow up, we expand our uh, immigrants' uh, uh, roots from, from Europe, and the concentration of Europeans in the countries is a zone and, and lands are, are very, very, very strong. You know, you go to, to, to Entre Rios, I live many years in Entre Rios, for example, in, in a north province from, from Buenos Aires. Uh, I, I was three three and a half years with gauchos, <laughs> and 
and they were uh, now the gaucho that I read in the books from romantic uh, stories. Uh, they were blue eyes, blonde, and with Italian uh, uh, names. So we cannot negate this aspect. This is true. The bad side of this is that we maybe the Argentine society go with this as a tool to don't be Latin American. And that is the, the wrong way, I think. Now, as a critic's perspective, uh, it's not the right way to, to say, but I think we, we don't have to negate that we are the, the, the society or the story of Argentines, uh, an immigration story from Europe. For 100 years ago, now it has changed because we had also uh, many immigration from neighbors countries and so on. So the, the anthropological aspect of the cultures has also changed. And maybe in 100 years we cannot uh, use anymore this aspect of the story because 100 years after we get other stories. But that is a traditional one. And I, I don't like to, to say... Uh, that is um, arrogant that you say that you are a European. No, this is part of our story. This is true. This is true. And, and we have to take the good and the bad things about this story. But I think that is the, the point of every country and every nation to, to, to recognize also the best things about this. The other aspect that we are arrogant, now I will tell you, something that that is my theory this is a linguist theory <laughs> and that has to do with with immigration and europeans if you analyze the intonation of the language from italian italian are very very strong and they are very open when they, they talk they are not um, affair when they try to communicate something they always knock on the door, and when the door is not open, they open the door, and they don't say uh, sorry or entschuldigung. And you can see this aspect maybe in the in the intonation uh, of the language. It's this very and when you don't speak Spanish, you always in any part of the world you heard some Italian. You see this in a film, you, you heard in any, any in a Disney film, you know how Italian speak, uh, speaks and so on. So you, you know that this intonation has this prepotente, how is the word of, of English? When you don't speak Spanish, but you hear Argentinians, you always think, oh, they speak Italian. And you go in, in Buenos Aires on, on, on the metro, and, and if you made abstraction of the Spanish language, you only heard this. On there are many papers, and here in, in Hamburg University was a professor, and he is now in Mainz, and he made many many studies about. Um, language contact and intonation between Italian and, and Spanish in Buenos Aires. And Buenos Aires, I speak, I am talking about all the varieties in Argentina. And it's true formally. 
the intonation are very, very, very similar. I cannot explain it now, but you have uh, some kind of the structures. And if you put a structure of Italian and a structure of uh, Argentinian Spanish, it's are the same. I think this arrogant aspect of the of Argentinians has to do with this aspect of the language and our intonation, how we speak. And maybe you, you think uh, in a talk with an Italian, okay, he's Italian, that is typical and it's funny. But if you are uh, from Mexico and if you are from Chile, if you are from Peru, if you are uh, from Madrid and come to Argentina with the same language that you speak and started to speak like an Italian, <laughs> I think then you are a, a little bit skeptical. Mm, what, what is the problem of this guy? Mm. And again, this, this comment comes from Latin Americans. This comment does not, so I think that sort of non-Spanish, yeah. it's, it's very interesting what you're saying because non-Spanish speakers don't make this observation because to them it's just, right? It's all Spanish, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Yeah, so it yeah. is a foreign language and possibly they don't, there's no association, especially if they don't speak Italian either, right? Yeah. But for other Spanish speakers, this, this very much happens. I'd like to share one anecdote uh, or one sort of observation from me. I speak German. I don't know if you've actually even heard me speak German. We usually spoke Spanish. So, but I speak German with very little accent, I would say. Um, however, I make mistakes that are very banal. You know, I will make a gender mistake that I will call a leg and I will say divine or something. I don't know. That's just a banal example, but I will make very banal mistakes that a you know second grader in Germany would know. And so here's this woman who's fairly nicely dressed, speaking properly. And actually, you know, sort of I, I try to have a vocabulary. I try not to just speak any old way. And here she's speaking properly, but then she's making these weird mistakes. And I get, I have a lot of problems at the grocery store, at the, you know, sort of in, in very sort of day-to-day -day situations where people don't know what to do with me. So they think, you know, has she has a stroke and she has some sort of a speech impediment or is she just, they, so, so very often I get an, into a negative situation because they find me aggressive maybe, or they find me, they just don't know what's going on with me. So I don't fit into the, into the situation. So one, one experiment that I've uh, conducted, and it, the idea came to me from actually the consul general to France that I interviewed when he said in a lot of uh, very difficult situations, he sometimes adapted a French accent. When he spoke German, he didn't have a French accent, but he said in a lot of difficult situations, you know, at some of these Buharan, at sort of official offices and things like that, he would put on a French accent and, and get better treatment. So I tried this because I can speak German with a very sort of ich kann sehr gut französisch mit einem französischen Akzent sprechen, no? <laughs> uh, um, and, I, and I put on this French accent in German and there's no problem. There's absolutely no problem. Everybody sort of, you know, on the register, everybody goes, because I can't do an American accent in German. Um, ich kann nicht, oh, uh, Amerikanisch sprechen. Uh, das ist für mich... No, that, I can't do that. I can't imitate yeah, the, the yeah, American yeah. accent or it becomes too, like, too much like a caricature, right? Yeah. Um, and so on the register, people go, okay, she's non-German speaker. Oh, she made a little mistake. It's all fine. She speaks fine. So it's the same type of, 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 of situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As is, uh, that is on a social psychology 
uh, aspect of of communication and language and how we we put some values on, on the speakers just only when we hear them and i think that that is the point in, in argentinians uh, we speak with a the word of, of, of spanish is prepotente oh, it's a, a, a una lengua chocante un acento chocante uh, we knock uh, on the door and when the door doesn't open we open the door and we don't say sorry and this is our uh, our form to communicate to speak and our intonation that is an italian form i just looked it up prepotente in english is bossy yeah bossy yeah. okay yeah and it's true but it's not a it's not that the speaker it's like italians italian are not uh, bossy <laughs> but they are they are uh, but you you have this interpretation of this vision and then it's like uh, how do you say i love you in german ich liebe dich and when i think so as german is a nice language how can i explain somebody that are starting to speak german that ich liebe dich is from a language that is very nice because it's it's, it's the form like, right, exactly the, the sound is is not nice sorry but it's not nice how 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 can i explain them that is the language of good or so on uh, and i think that is uh, the characteristic the characteristic of of argentinian spanish that's we 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 go with the with a, a football player a soccer player there are uh, asking something to the referee you know with this uh this is a nice uh, in your face right in picture. your face yes in your face well what will happen huh? and 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 many people that i know from other countries of latin america are more respectful when they talk and and they, that that can you see it in the accent that they use because it's uh, on languages and they are more respectful. We not. We have boseo, and with boseo, if you sing, is a not not a a, um, a formal um, a formal aspect of grammar to talk with a, 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 with with a teacher, but we use it. We boseamos with the teacher. We boseamos with the president. We boseamos with uh, everybody. And why? Because it's part of our language, the, the, the origin of Boseo is, 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 a, is a formal um, variation in our language come from, from, from the 15th century, 16th century. And you have this Boseo in other countries, but in Colombian or Uruguay, they use Boseo only in the family, maybe. You know, we use Boseo also when we go to a, an institution. And you, you see Boseo in publicity, for example. Borges wrote in Boseo. I think that's, that is this aspect that we are too, too open or we... So that could be a little bit arrogant. This is maybe the, the, the formal aspect of language. What about the content? What are the kind of topics that the Argentinian talk? And we always talk about uh, boring things. Politic, politic, and politic. <laughs> and how we talk about politic could be very, very arrogant, I think. That is my theory about why Argentinians are too arrogant for other countries. I think it's a superficial aspect. And that is the reason why when you go to Argentina, you have wonderful experiences 
because the people are too open, too servicial, too, too, too friendly. It's like, ah, that is only the language. But you can sleep uh, on my, in my home, you can eat everything that in, uh, in, I have in, at home, and so on. That is like a, a, a mask. No, and sometimes language is a mask. Mm. Oh, very, very interesting, Mario. So that's really, I'm, I'm, I'm taken aback and I'm sort of considering everything you said. And thousand, a thousand questions just came to my mind. But let me go step by step. So we arrived in Esquerre. We had been traveling for a while. And they arrived in Esquerre. We had rented a little villa, uh, not a little villa, a little cabin, a little... It looked like a little uh, little ski lodge, uh, very mm-hmm. pretty, very comfortable, but it wasn't Christmas. It was not, you know, it was it was like a little ski lodge, but with 40 degrees Celsius. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> and so we had taken um, these little uh, ski hats because we were also, uh, you know, in El Calafate where it was cold. And so uh, we decided to bake cookies and you know, we're in this lodge, which was really comfortable, really pretty, but you know, you don't have your usual Christmas things, your cookie cutters and your things. And it was Pablo and Corina who gave us some cookie cutters and we're trying, you know, there's, you're renting this space. There's not sort of all these different pots and pans. So we're kind of improvising. We're mixing the cookie dough in a, in a pan, right? Cause there's no yeah. bowl that's big enough. Yeah. And and we have these little ski hats on. We're trying to put on Christmas music and I just start crying and the kids are <laughs> crying and we're all just like, I mean, it was like this pathetic effort to make it Christmas and it wasn't Christmas. And sort of, you know, we're trying. And, and then we're like, okay, come on. We're invited to Mario's brother's house. We go and the streets of Esquel, oh, that's another thing. I, I love I love Esquel. If I lived in Argentina, I would live in Esquel. For me, <laughs> that was the bet. For me, that was for sure, 100%. And we arrive at your brother's house and his wife. So remember that my kids had also come straight out of COVID, right? I mean, not they didn't have COVID, but COVID lockdowns in Germany, which were taken very seriously. So... Mm-hmm. There was no contact, really physical contact. And we arrive at your brother's house and his wife just, you know, smacks four kisses on him and hugs him and said, oh, I'm good. You know, it's sort of like, I'm a muñeca. You know, she's just like hugging them and everything. Yes, so yes, first, yes. They're just kind of, uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and the dog comes and they had they had set up this table outside that was, Oh, that was beautifully set with a tablecloth and candles and 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 they and your brothers like has all this meat and they've invited other friends so that we would feel welcome and they <laughs> I don't know if you're religious, if there is a sense to Christianity or to Christmas, <laughs> we had that experience in Esquel with your with your family and the food we shared and the stories we shared and the sort of small presence that they made us, you know, sort of, we were strangers that were, you know what I mean? Sort of, you know, Jesus and Mary were taken into a barn, right? And, and I mean, we were welcomed into their home and their food was shared with us and their time and their friends and their, it mm. was an absolute awesome. 
I, I know I know my brother. I know very well my brother. <laughs> and that was the reason why I thought as you told me that you want to go to, to scale, uh, you have to, to meet my brother because he is a very, very special guy. Not let's, talk, let's talk about him a little bit. I think he is a, 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 one of the best Gastgeber, that's the, the war host, and, and host, host, host but, but I like in German it's a Gastgeber, no? uh, one of the best Gastgeber, and not only because uh, he 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 tried to 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 give you the comfort and so on, because he's also funny. And he also uh, don't stop to, to to talk stories and take story from there and there and there. He made a, a good entertainment in, in the night. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and it, yes, and and I love this part of my brother. I I always say I am very very um, stolz. Um, Proud. Proud about my brother is uh, he's and as my wife met him and so on was the same description that uh, he's very very I was for uh, one month before Corona started I, I went to Argentina with my, my the parents of my wife for them was the same impression as they came for uh, the first time with my brother and was they knew knew him but. Um, to be there was a little bit different and and also come Valeria and, and, mwah, 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 and they were so typical Germans uh, like <laughs> distance please <laughs> and that was the time of corona so <laughs> uh, yeah this is the part of my brother that I love he is a very very happy man and he 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 transmit also this this meta transmission of this happiness and I think this is the, the one of the big things why he's happy also with his, his accident and so on. So, Do you feel comfortable speaking about that? So, so the listeners won't know the story. Your brother, I, I, I agree. I mean, he is a delightful man and, and exactly what you were saying. He is such, he is the life of the party. He is hilarious he's talkative he's kind he's um he's happy he's truly joyous he's he has this energy that he brings in you know with his they had this dog they have a dog and the way he is with his dog and sort of like you know um but there are many stories with the dog too oh, the dog, i mean uh, and they're home i mean you know because of the kids they they decorate that's another thing like argentinians don't decorate very much for christmas no. So this was also for me. I'm like, ah, you know, I this. <laughs> and so they had actually, without knowing this about me, they had actually decorated their house. You know, they had like little Christmas lights and a tree and everything because they wanted us to feel welcome. And that's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable yeah. kindness and, and, yeah. and attention and, you know, sort of generosity of time and generosity of, of mental space, you know, like yeah. sort of actually thinking, considering someone yeah. else's needs to that point is, is, absolutely touching do you feel comfortable about telling your your brother's story he yes yes um uh, it's, it's something that i do not not put it away of my life that's that's will this is all present and i use it 
the story i use it uh, often to to explain some some things also by my my second profession as as rugby coach <laughs> so so your brother was was a rugby player um, yes, he was in the first in the first team of his uh, team town. We we played together for a, a selection from from the region one time. Uh, I think he was playing also for a selection of the province. The, the level is enough, good enough to 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 be on a great level. So in, uh, almost in Argentinian, um, if you compare with, with with Germany, of course, that is a bit, a, a very high level. And he was special because he was also amateur and bodybuilder. So he was from all the team. He was an extra athlete, and he was very, very preparing for rugby and for other kind of things. He was always he wasn't as he was young, so sixteen, also in the canoe t- teams, so kayak teams competitions and he won he won many uh, many trophies and also in Buenos Aires time so he was an athlete and that was as he was 27 years old then he plays in a position that is not that was not his position and then that match um, and he broke the, the the cervical in the neck for me, it was a joke because I was on the way to, to meet him. And they stopped it in Bariloche, a, a city before a scale. And they they waiting for my bus and they stopped it. So the, the people of the team, you know? and they stopped um, the, the bus and they told me that uh, my brother is in the hospital. You, can, you have to come and so on. And I went to the hospital and see this picture was horrible. He was in coma the first days, and then they knew to say that, that somebody come to you and said he will never walk again, and you, you don't want to believe this. You you are not prepared for such things, no? and then then started the story that uh, we uh, he have to to start um, a rehabilitation. I think is, is the correct word. Yes, a rehabilitation. He had to to travel to Buenos Aires, and then was the question: Oh, he has two children, a wife. Uh, they have to stay in in in, in Patagonia. So, who can um, go with him to Buenos Aires? And how long? Ah, oh, one two years. And I say me. And I traveled with him and I went with him. Oh, we have many stars. And we, we made a rehabilitation one year together. We live in, in a hotel, an Olympic hotel for Olympic sports in Buenos Aires one year. And that was in the middle of my studies. So I, <laughs> I was with a roll chair from one way to the other, to swimming pool, to, to fitness studio um, the gym no? and, and then in the evening I, I traveled to, to my university to study and come back in the night and, and the next day once again and one year it was very 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 hard very special and I think 
we are at that point in, in more united. He, he remembers, he talks about those times as well, um, very fondly and very positively. I mean, your brother is also one of the most positive people that I've ever met. He, That's he, true. The way he talks about his accident and the way he focuses on the positive. Um, and I say this, you know, sometimes people say these things um, and it's just kind of, you know, platitudes, but this is not the case. He, he really, he was so touched by the way his team reacted, by the way the Argentinian Rugby League uh, reacted. Mm. He was so touched by the attention that was given to him in the hospital, by the care wow. that he was given. So he really, and I believe that's why he was able to put his life back together the way he has. He has a beautiful life. He has a beautiful mm. wife, a beautiful house, a beautiful, you know, his what he does with his um, with architectural activities, he's he's mm -hmm. he has he's a completely functioning, yeah. <laughs> uh, successful mm -hmm. person um, who is able to draw the good in life and and focus in on the good with such energy and such beauty. And there, I would I would like to sort of maybe point this out. Do you think that the love that you have and the relationship that you have with him, I was very touched about that as well, to hearing him speak about the gratitude he feels for to you for for what for having stayed with him and sort of um, this bond between brothers. For me, that was typically Argentinian. From what we could observe throughout our travels in Argentina, that was typically Argentinian. This generosity within the family, this willingness to accept emotion, this willingness to show emotion, this willingness to act out of emotion. What do you, what do you think about that? Some things are too, too, too strong, I think. Such accidents are very, very, very hard. And they are a proof for persons and not children. Not everybody was ready to, to help my brother at that time. I, I accept this. I was maybe very lucky to be strong enough to help my brother and to work with him all that time. But I don't think that was because we are Argentines or that's part of the culture that we are predestined to, to help the other. Such things are too hard and nobody is prepared to, to, to confront this. We are three brothers and I was the, the one that, that, that worked with my brother. The other couldn't. That is, that is true. I am not, uh, I, I never, how is it? Schuld geben, or I, I I don't think someone should feel guilty, or I should I don't want anyone to feel guilty. Right, because I think it is is not easy, and nobody are prepared to do this. So, it is true that there was many many things that uh, that helped my brother from many people and so on. I think that is more more. It has to do with with the rugby community, and that is a thing of of all the world. That is rugby. And this is true. From Argentinian, from the Argentinian perspective, I don't know. I cannot say specifically of this true that we are 
prepared to help everybody. <laughs> uh, so solidarity is, is a very good value of Argentinians, this is true. But such things are too hard. I don't think that on Tony individual, it's not the same that you have a, a war. You have immigrants that come from other countries because they are hun hungry and so on. And I think that will be the sol solidarity of Argentina in, uh, active. For such things are too personal, too, too, too individual or, or directly. So I, I think this, the, 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 the friends of my brother are very strong. They are very good people, independent that they are Argentine. And I help him because I love him. And I loved him before he does the accident. I, he take, because I, I have ten, eight years different with him. So, and I don't have a, a so for me was my brother always the, the, the hero. And he took me in Patagonia on, on the mountains and made many, many adventures that I will not made with my, uh, my own kids. <laughs> uh, so he, he, he was always a crazy man with, with adventures. Uh, and, so and, he, and he continues to keep that. I mean, he has gone skydiving, yeah. he goes swimming, he goes, I mean, he continues these things and uh, lives a full life, lives a complete life. Swimming, no? swimming is something that they are doing very often. And these lakes in, in Patagonia, he's crazy. He's crazy. <laughs> so we, we are we really feel very fortunate to have met him and Valeria and his wife as well. They were they were absolutely delightful. And, and it was we we the kids, we all, you know, we only spent uh, what three, four days uh, in, in, in Esquel, and it marked us so much. We talk about it so much. It is really truly one of the most memorable. I mean, you know, we went on glaciers and in these amazing lakes and Iguazu and everything, which we also brought back. But this contact with your brother and with Pablo and Corina was also one of the things that really um, marked us that 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 we took away from Argentina. So, I'm very glad to hear this. So thank you for for introducing us to to them and, and letting us uh, have that contact with them. The other uh, family that you introduced us to were Pablo and Corina, and there too we were completely welcomed uh, with their family, with their two sons, and <laughs> such. You know the conversations we had. It's it's interesting. You said that Argentinians they talk about politics. We talked about politics a lot of, with with both your brother and with Pablo and Corina, but. I didn't find I didn't find the arrogance at all. I found them very interested and very willing to talk about everything that we were asking about, uh, you know, down the spectrum from literature to the environment to problems with the Native Americans or not problems, but the the, the situation with the Mapuche or the yeah. or political problems or political. I don't even want to say problems, political, the political questions. Social about, problems, awesome. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, to, down to economics and <laughs> uh, inflation and, and things like that. So I found them very, very open-minded and, and, and kind. I, I would agree that sometimes the conversations we had would end up being about politics and everybody had a very strong opinion on it. So maybe it would be different if I, you know, again, I think that we were observers, you know, sort of, 
we didn't know anything about about Argentina that I have to admit. And so what we knew, you know, Hendrik had traveled through Nicaragua. So his experience with Latin America came from Nicaragua and mine came from Venezuela and Mexico. So that's what we came with. That's what we came into uh, the, the experience with. And Argentina was completely different. So, so we were observers. We were just fascinated. We were asking questions. We were sort of, you know, learning. Of course, that's a different relationship, right? So then everybody's very willing to tell you and to teach you and to show you. Maybe it is a little bit different if you're coming from a strong culture, strong Latin American culture of your own and opposing it hmm. and, and yeah. contrasting it. So... Good Friday, yes. And this other aspect that Paolo and Corinna are very special because they are, um, Paolo is from culture. So he's active in culture and radio and and he's, he comes also from communication studies. So of course they have more open, so more different intelligence than an, a normal conversation in Argentina on a table. That for me was a more more general aspect that Argentina speak about politicians, politicians. If you go to a cafe in Buenos Aires, you would meet only this picture. <laughs> and foot and, and soccer, no? Foot, football. <laughs> That's the other thing. But okay, Corinne and Pablo are more open to many other things. And they are very interested about uh, other people. No? Mm-hmm. That is true. One of the things that they are very involved in is the mining works in the in the area of Esquez. So they are very involved in trying to fight against uh, mining in the area of Esquez. Would you care to say anything about that? They they talked about it in their episode, but it was in Spanish. So for the non for the yeah. for those listeners who don't speak Spanish, maybe from yeah. your point of view. So I um, I was not directly confronted with this problem in in a scale. Uh, because uh, when this started, I come to to Europe. What there was that uh, really the, the same at the same time as was discovered in the in the in the region a, a big big gold or a scales is um, on a big uh, gold mine. That is true, and. That came also in the time that was um, new um, politicians uh, thinking the, the return of of, of socialism in, in Latin America, and then came against uh, Peronistas. I don't know how how can translate, but everybody know. <laughs> and I think it was a, a rethinking about national resources in a scale. And scale is very important because it was the first place in all Latin America that made a opposition to, to this mine. And there started many projects to, to start with exploitation or of these resources. And and scale or uh, organizes very, very fast and very strong a structure to, to make opposition of this. This is a model in Latin America many years, uh, was a model in Latin America many years. I think that this or has to do that scale is a particular intellectual city. It's not a normal Andean city lost in, in North Argentina or in the rest of Latin America. 
where the building where education system is not too, too strong scale is an it has a a big um, intellectual tradition and i think that's help help for this organization in in a scale and the help to organize for example uh, all the things about uh, um, uh, justice and, and so on, uh, also the formal aspect of this opposition, not only go to the streets and say uh, we are against this kind of exploitation. Um, I think this is a, a big point, why scale was too strong in the opposition of this and why is a, a model in compare or comparing with other countries uh, where you find the same problems. It's like this aspect of the culture in, in a scale has uh, helped them to, to stop this uh, movement. Maybe go into what, what exactly, why it's so problematic. Um, the exploitation, exploitation, I don't know. Is it the, sure, the, exploitation, the, it the, is. The exploitation of skull resources is, uh, has a few ways to do it. In an industrial way, you have only two ways. One of them is, and that is uh, the more problematic, is you have to to take the 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 you know, the earth of of um, from the mountains, and you have to uh, take many many tons of earth because the gold is not concentrated; is distributed in the um, space. So then you have, uh, um, I don't know how is the, the special te technical uh, word for this kind of exploitation, but you are forced to, to take a mountain away. And from this point of view, it's a shock. <laughs> you cannot do it this. The other thing is that you, you have to uh, trade these earths with chemicals that are in big beds. And they are they have to be open because they are too big, they are open. And then you have too much, and, and the chemicals that you used uh, for that are toxic. So then you have two problems with this. You need water, you know Patagonian from the side of Argentina, you don't have water, and you need um and and the and the beds are open, so when you have wind in Patagonia that is more stronger than other places in the world, so you have these toxic uh, elements on the air and not in an one area where the mine uh, is. You have the distribution of these uh, um, toxics in all in kilometers and kilometers away from the state. So. There are the most bigger problems. The third thing is that you don't produce work. And work is the word <laughs> that such uh, kind of exploitations always use with the cities where they are planning to do this or in the regions where they plan to start these exploitations. And then I came to the point as a scale, don't need this kind of war, not in a not in a mass that, that you say, okay, if we don't uh, make this, we cannot find a, a, another thing. That is the situation in other cities. But in a scale, you know, you have touristic resources, you have uh, agricultural resources, you have another resources. So 
why we don't in long terms for a more more special future so the interest in, in on gold is only for of of the politicians and 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 the concerns not for for the people of the uh, that are living there and i think that that's uh, an interesting and very admirable political stand that Eskel is committed to. And it has also to do with this commitment to the nature and to preserving the nature in the area, not just in the area, throughout Argentina. That was one very positive aspect of the culture that I, that I observed was that they were very, people were very committed to the purity of the nature and to maintaining that. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it has to do a little bit with reconnecting more with, with the indigenous past as well. Maybe touch upon that as well. Uh, it, you know, Argentina borders on Chile, where there's even more of this happening. Maybe touch upon that. I know, for example, uh, the topic of the Mapuche was a huge topic. There were a lot of roadblocks and things like that, that we encountered as well. And um, depending on who you ask, there were different views, yeah, <laughs> uh, very political views. Uh, maybe touch upon that from your point of view. Well, this, this is difficult. I am, I am many years away from, from, from this situation, but uh, Argentina has a big problem with with, uh, with the Wohlstand. Is the... With wealth? With wellness, well, well, of of the people, and I think if you don't reach these standards that maybe we know here in Europe, for example, not always in Europe, but in such countries like Germany, it is difficult to to try to to find um, a balance between, for example, two cultures or two societies that are not only from a history point of view separated but also from economic point of view i think mapuches and or his history is not only his history uh, it's also a social economic problem and they are not only discriminated from a cultural point of view they are also discriminated from an economic point of view neoliberalism <laughs> and i think if we don't reach a balance between economics and social gaps we don't will find peace in this kind of conflict and we can start to to try to find a more consensus about what the mapuche values are for for argentinians but i think is a work without basis because the basis has to be well, stay well of everybody. And then we can sit in, in the same Augenhöhe. Same level, right? Yes, to talk about uh, how we can start to recognize you as uh, a, a culture, how we can apologize for all what we do as Europeans or Argentinians. It's a, it's a little bit the same perspective that I have, for example, in language, when when we are now talking about inclusive or in, inclusive languages and so on. Okay, yes, right. 
that we cannot only only try to to solve the problem of of language or inclusive language without to to talk of the same argument here with women so we have to reach firstly this balance and then okay where are the problems now we can work together very interesting perspective i mean that's you're talking with with inclusive language for example i mean there's other aspects but for example of with gendering in in, in german for example yeah. and for for the listeners so so in german because we have the feminine and the masculine form of certain nouns for example mm. um it has been a movement to try to include both so for example right. instead of saying my customer which in english is just one word in german mm. you'd have kunde so kunde kundin mm -hmm. so and then or a student studentin and yeah. sort of uh, or trying to find a third word that expresses both and this has been a debate mm. and what you're saying is first and it's interesting first we have to reach uh, equality and then we can reflect it and um it's very interesting also your reflections thank you for your reflections on the mapuche as well because the debates or the or the arguments are about land rights and who was there first and you know i, I I've, i've spoken about this several times on the podcast uh, my parents are from transylvania and it's it has a sort of similar debate right is it is part of romania uh when my parents were born it was part of hungary it's been going back and forth part of hungary part of the austro-hungarian empire part of you know and it's and there is this this debate this very long debate of who came first were the dutch there first were the hoons there first and you know and and, and again i agree with you the In, in a lot of the conflicts in the world, whether it's uh, conflicts of gender or conflicts of race, conflicts of political affiliation, conflicts of other beliefs, um, a lot of times it is, and it's very, very, uh, thank you for pointing that out. A lot of times it's a question of socioeconomics and all these debates of the, the nitty gritty, right? That's very important, but it's not possible unless we have the same basis. If one person, no. one group, is dominant right. um, and trying to accommodate the dominated group, it is still dominant. So it is a matter of reaching uh, the same socioeconomic status, reaching the same base, the same starting point. And then mm. we can, I think, uh, confidently, uh, when no one's afraid <laughs> of right. losing mm. their socioeconomic point, uh, basis or when someone is fighting for their own socioeconomic uh, uh, status, then uh, then it's very difficult to reach peace, like you said. And if that is, if there is a somewhat more of an equal, uh, somewhat more of a more equality in that, then the nitty gritty, the, the conflicts can be addressed. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. This, this is uh, for a simple. For so of a, course, we're simplifying, of course. Yeah, we are, it's right. to say, Okay, uh, do you want to, to win rights as, uh, as uh, Mapuche? Okay, we give you your rights. But in the reality, you, don't, you can't go to the university, you can't have a house, you can't have a work. So <laughs> we are not talking on the same level. We can change some morphological aspect of gender that you will not win too much money like me because I am a man. Right, so we can say, exactly, like we can speak of, you know, uh, 
Rechtsanwältin, uh, we can say female lawyer, but the female lawyer is still making 60% of what the male lawyer is making. So right. great, like you said, morphologically, we have given it a, <laughs> right. a, a platform, but uh, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, just uh, ideologically, this is kind of what my point is with the podcast. I really believe in cultural diversity and I really believe in allowing for a wide variety of views and, and opinions and ways of living. I don't think we have to all be the same or believe in the same thing, but I think that there has to be a, uh, and that's what I try to do. I try to give a platform for discussion. And I, I usually try to shy away from politics because I think that I am neither educated enough in politics, uh, well-versed enough in politics, nor do I wish to engage in it. Um, but I do think that there is room for political, pseudo-political, and I would rather call it cultural discussion, where we, where we reach a, a platform where we treat each other with respect um, to at least get each other's opinions and, and hear what the other, or not the other side, what, what all sides have to say in the hopes of then the different specializations and different areas, you know, Different experts can then put their <laughs> uh, mm. minds to work and, and do good in their own particular area. But first, I think it's like what I try to do is let's get the, the opinions out. Let's get the, right. let's air the opinions. Let's air the culture. So right. I could talk to you. I could, I could keep talking to you about uh, there's so much I'd love to ask you still. Um, but I think we should try to wrap it up. You are also one of the pivotal points for this season because you have this very strong experience with Argentina. You are Argentinian. And yet what you know, you you have this German background, your family is of German ancestry, you are married to a German woman, uh, your children are half, well, can we even say half? I mean, let's not talk about percentages, but are German, Argentinian, uh, international. Uh, so you have this very you're a scholar, you're a linguist, you have this, this view on, on all of it. Maybe just last reflections on Latin America in general, on Argentina in particular, and on, you know, third culture, <laughs> uh, right? So sort of this, your, your children's cultural identity in, you know, it, it, it mixes even more. Um, any reflections on, on this? We are in, in, at home very, very away from, 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 we are Germans, we are, we are Argentinians, it doesn't exist. But if you look at home, we have many things that are from, from, from Latin America or from Argentinian, and books and you know, photograph books or, or romance of Spanish or not, many things of, of language and so on. But I am very German in many things. And what is a German? I am very fair. I am very, I, I, I like to, everything that has to do with, with respect. I liked Ordnung. I like structures. I am a summa cum laude uh, doctor. <laughs> I don't want you to, to be an <laughs> easy doctor. If, something like this exists, but I'm perfectionist. And I think that that's our typical things of Germans. 
but we don't talk about this. This is not a, a thing that we have to talk about. And I think that is the more nice things in my family. We are Latin American or I am Latin American. I love our Latin America. I am always interested in politics about Latin America and geography, and geography aspect of Latin America. I like to say I am Argentinian. I drink mate uh, and I do this in Germany. I make the best grill, uh, uh, grill uh, the best barbecue maybe here in Hamburg because I always made my typical Patagonian grill and so on. So there are many things that I never left from my culture, but I I don't talk about this. I, I like that this has to be natural in my family. One of my kids speak very well Spanish, the other not all. <laughs> it's more difficult, maybe because he is the, the there are many linguistic aspects. Why could be why is uh, or which is the reason why. The other speak more than the other, but that has to do with my my mother. My mother and my grandmother were liberal. They were anarchist in a strong way. My education was, what do you want to do? I want to do this. And I always get only the same answer. Let's do it. So... I don't need to, to be part of some nation in this sense, but I, I am part of a nation. I am Argentinian, but I live far away from Argentina. I have 20 years here in Hamburg. So great part of my life uh, in, in Hamburg. Uh, to be what I, what I am, I don't need to be part of some, some symbolic things that are more cultural things. So that is how I see my family. And that is how I would like to see or uh, what I expect or my, my wishes. How I like to that the Latin Americans stop to think about we are Latin Americans and they are the, uh, of the other side are the others. Uh, we are Argentinians and the others are uh, uh, French and we are uh, Brazilians and you are Argentinian and so on. I think if we all, all the time we talk about such things, nothing good could be born. I think let us to be more in Anarchists in this point of view, let the symbols far away from, from, from your culture and maybe you will find more friends. That is my opinion. Should we wrap it up with that? Thank you so much for your reflections. Thank you, Mario. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.